Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and co-parents of all ages, this podcast is for you. Introducing in the center ring the amicable divorce expert, Judith Weigel. Welcome back, everybody. This episode today is about anger. And I wanted to talk about anger because it came up in a Netflix special I was watching, a documentary called Inventing Anna. Inventing Anna, I watched over the Thanksgiving holiday with my sister, Jerry. It's about, I don't know, eight to 10 episodes. But in this one episode, um, Anna, who kind of had a criminal mind, she hoodwinked bankers, friends, associates uh, by telling them that she was uh, a very rich heiress with a $60 million trust fund. And um, her excuse for not being able to pay her bills was uh, that there's a wire transfer uh, caught and it's going to be in her bank account and, and she'll pay for things as soon as she gets it. And she was never able to pay for anything. Her trainer, who she never paid for, Her trainer, her physical trainer said something that sparked my interest. And I said, you know what? This could be an excellent episode for a podcast for divorce. It was about anger. Her trainer said, and I, and let me quote, when you're angry, you're a character in someone else's story. When you're angry, you're a character in someone else's story, meaning you don't have control over yourself. You're not making your own decisions. But she, uh, Casey, the, the uh, physical trainer, went on to say, but when you're not angry, you're the protagonist in your own story, meaning you're making your own decisions. So that really interested me because I have several clients right now who are very angry. And it it, it comes to me in a myriad of ways. Either they lie to me. Either they're angry and therefore they're going to create falsehoods uh, in which they blame their spouse about malfeasance somehow, generally about hiding assets uh, or about behavior uh, that they think will prove counterproductive uh, to a settlement that would be equally balanced for their spouse. They're trying to do something that will either influence me in thinking ill of their spouse, or it's the only way they know how to channel their anger because they've been asked for the divorce. Anger shows itself when people procrastinate about signing settlement agreements. We'll be getting along. Well, here, let me just tell you, it's a two-prong thing. They either will not send their disclosures in until the other spouse has sent theirs to me, and then they want an equal exchange. That's covering up anger. And they will not finalize the proofreading of the settlement agreement, or they won't even open it. They'll say they're too busy at work. Okay, well, everybody's busy at work. And I'm very sensitive to that. I don't want you to jeopardize your jobs. Nobody wants you to jeopardize your jobs. But I don't care how busy you are. Even if you're traveling the globe, while you're sitting in the aircraft, you can read the settlement agreement. While you're in your hotel room, you can read the settlement agreement. You have a half an hour on any weekend 
to read the settlement agreement. So that excuse doesn't hold water. But what it tells me is they're still upset. They still can't handle the fact that they're getting divorced or they're so angry that they have to get divorced, that they're going to put their spouse in pain by dragging their feet all along the way. So I wanted to start with how do you deal with anger? How do you deal with your own anger? How do you deal with your spouse's anger? Well, let's first start by defining anger. I know we all know what anger is. Anger is this horrible sound and wall of words that comes out of our mouths, right? Or our behavior, we may be destroying things or we may take drugs. Okay, so let's start with the Oxford Dictionary uh, definition of anger, which is a strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure, or hostility. Then we go down to the uh, American Psychological Society, and they define anger as anger is an emotion characterized by antagonism, okay, source of your anger, characterized by antagonism towards someone or something you feel has deliberately done you wrong. Anger can be a good thing, though. And that's controlled anger. We're going to get into that in a minute. And then third, the Cambridge Dictionary definition of anger is the feeling people get when something unfair, painful, or bad happens. You need to get back in control of your anger. So those are the three definitions of anger. Now, let me start with anger in this way. Anger is part of the seven stages of divorce grief. Yes, there are stages of divorce grief because divorce is a painful experience. Divorce is the death of a marriage. And with that comes grieving, whether you know it or not. And grieving comes in several forms, and one of them is anger. But let me go through the seven stages of divorce grief for a minute, if I may. First, there's shock. So shock is interesting because shock comes in two ways. Shock comes when you really do have on the outset the window dressing of a good marriage. Maybe you don't know what a good marriage is, but there's no real fighting. The bills get paid. Um, Vacations are taken with the family. All the normal things are done. And then all of a sudden your spouse comes to you and says, you know, I haven't been in love with you for a while. I've been unhappy for a while. And I thought about this. I would like to get a divorce. Okay, just those words coming out of your spouse's mouth are shocking. Maybe you too have even felt the same way. Maybe you too have, you also have felt disconnected, not thrilled, not motivated with feelings of love. Intimacy is gone. You just accept that as a normal course of the marriage. But when the words, I want a divorce, come out of somebody's mouth, just hearing those words, shocking. The other case is, you know, you ha- don't have a great marriage. You've approached the subject of divorce a number of times. Nobody's really done anything about it. And all of a sudden you get served with divorce papers. 
Now that is shocking. It's shocking, not because you thought you had the best marriage known to mankind, but because you thought it would be a mutual decision. You thought, okay, this has to happen. It's going to be tough. Let's talk about how we're going to get through it. No, instead, um, one person goes and files and really does catch you off guard. So you're not shocked that the marriage is not good enough to continue. You're shocked that there was no communication. That in itself is shocking, justifiably shocking. Okay, so shock, then there's denial. So I'll get a call and here's where denial will come in. Judy, I was just served with divorce papers. I'm shocked. I can't believe it. I mean, we had such a great marriage. Really? And the more I let them talk, I don't argue it. First of all, I don't have a place to argue it. I I would be out of line if I argued it. So you just listen. And the more you listen to, to somebody talk, the more they will get around to the marriage wasn't good. But the shock came in being served with divorce papers uh, without the discussion. So you have to go in denial first, and then you get around to acknowledging, okay, the marriage wasn't perfect, but my God, couldn't we have talked about this? You should have. But maybe that's the only way your spouse could handle it. Maybe your spouse needed to do this on their own in order to move it forward because they didn't feel maybe that they had the gumption, the confidence to uh, to talk about it and to be firm and say, no, 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 I really do want a divorce. Maybe they were afraid they would be talked out of it again. You know, there's all sorts of reasons why people file without telling you they're filing. And maybe sometimes it's they that's their way of expressing strength. Now that's interesting. Maybe they haven't been the one that expressed strength all the time. Maybe that spouse has advanced the conversation once or twice about divorce, but didn't have the strength to do it. And now they do. And they needed to do it on their own to change the balance of power in the relationship. So think about that. The third stage of divorce grief is anger. So you're shocked, you go in denial, and now you're angry. How could they do this to me? How could they not have told me? How could they have shocked me? How could they not have done this with me? I thought we would do this together. Justifiable anger, truly justifiable anger. Get angry, let it all hang out, get angry. It would be great if you could get angry in a controlled environment like a therapist's office. Even individually, get angry that way. You know, don't throw things around the house. Don't abduct a child. Don't get a firearm out and hurt somebody. We hear about this in the news, don't we? Yeah, not the right way to express anger. In fact, (laughs) see you in jail. Now you don't get any parenting rights. You get no rights. You're in jail. How are you going to handle this? So don't do that. But anger is the third stage of divorce grief. So let me tell you the other stages, and then I'm going to go back to the three kinds. I'm going to introduce you to the three kinds of anger. So number four, so we have shock, denial, anger. Then anger goes into 
bargaining. Are you sure you want a divorce? Are you sure? I know you already filed. That's okay. It's just the start. Let's go to therapy. Let's see if we can work this out. Now, sometimes the other spouse, even though they filed, will go to therapy. And that's cool. That's really great. If you're, if you're your spouse, if you're the one that filed and your spouse says, let's go to therapy, go and you want to go, go. That's great to do that. Okay. There are two reasons to go to couples therapy, either to maybe consider staying married or figure out why you're getting divorced. Not to change it, but just to understand this is why you're getting divorced. And that's great to be able to do that. Now, here's how other couple, here's how some couples handle it. They'll go to therapy to figure out why they're getting divorced. And then they split up and go to individual therapy to look at their level of self-awareness, to look at what they did that contributed to the downfall of the marriage so that you don't blame yourself and that you use marriage as a new, a divorce as a new beginning. Use the divorce to correct the things that needed to be corrected in the marriage, in your personal life, in your choice to even get married to this person. It could easily have been the wrong decision all along, and you need to understand why you made that decision. Until you understand why you made that decision, you're going to make the same decision again. There was a reason why you inappropriately, incorrectly chose to marry this person. It doesn't make this person a bad person because you incorrectly chose to marry them. Listen, marrying a narcissist is a tough call. You got to forgive yourself on this one because a narcissist will love bomb you, will give you the fairy tale courtship that everybody wants, every woman wants at least, and you will be taken by surprise once you get married, how that energy changes, how you're no longer being courted and treated like a princess. You'll be in shock. You married a narcissist. Figure it out. If you can learn how to deal with staying married to a narcissist, great. And if you can't get out of the marriage ASAP, because it's not going to get better. It's really not going to get better. Okay, that's why you go to therapy. Uh, shock, denial, anger, bargaining. That's when you're in therapy. Uh, are you sure you want this to happen? Can't we take some time? Can't we work this out? Bargaining. Depression is number five. If the bargaining doesn't work and this is really going to happen, you go into depression. Your work suffers. Your personal life suffers. You may gain weight. You may lose weight. It's horrible. And if you have a spouse who is going to be dramatically financially impacted by the divorce, and they're the ones that don't want to get divorced, please understand this is why. And they will go into a deep depression. They will become withdrawn because they don't know what to do. And they really need therapy, seriously need therapy. But you can get through that depression stage, you know, if you're not already diagnosed with depression, you will get through that stage with professional help. You know when it's time to file, though, when you've hit the sixth stage of grieving, and that's the turnaround stage, that's acceptance. When you've accepted that this is going to happen, even though it's not your first choice, it will be better. 
and this is when you should file. When you've actually come to the point of acceptance, you're no longer angry, you no longer want to hurt that person, you no longer want to hurt yourself if you're in the depression stage, you've moved past, okay, this is life, stuff happens, I can handle it, I've got the right people around me to get me through it. Let's move forward and file. That's when you're going to have a decent divorce and you're not going to have to spend your life savings on lawyers who are going to litigate for you. You want legal advice, but you don't need to have lawyers litigate for you because you've now accepted and you're ready to move through it. And then the ultimate stage is forgiveness. That's when you're seriously not angry because you've forgiven yourself and you've forgiven your spouse because stuff happens. We're human. We do things we're not proud of. And boy, a lot of times we wish we could take them back. But sometimes we've irreparably irreparably um, damaged our relationships and our situations. And you just have to take it on the chin, use it as a learning les- lesson, and move it forward. Okay. Those are the seven stages of divorce grief. Anger is number three. Anger leaves the picture through acceptance and forgiveness. Now, here are the three different types of anger. I never thought about it this way. This is interesting. Uh, uh, Number one, passive-aggressive. Passive-aggressive is always displayed by inappropriate behavior and inappropriate communication. We say and do things that don't communicate how we really feel. We we use smoke screens. We will behave in a way that we know angers our spouse. And that's because we can't communicate who, what our feelings are, what we want. And so we will do it in inappropriate behavior. That's passive aggressive. And it's the passive aggressive is always there to hurt the other person, subtly hurt the other person. Not over, oh, did I do something that made you upset? Oh, so sorry. Oh, right. I forgot. You get upset when I do this. You get upset when I don't do the dishes. You get upset when I don't put my clothes away. You get upset when I'm uh, half an hour late and don't call you. Yes, that's passive aggressive behavior. That's one form of anger. That displays anger in a way that doesn't communicate it effectively. And that doesn't solve anything. And that doesn't move anything forward. It just continues this brewing pot of antagonism. And you can't do things when you're antagonistic towards one another. So that has to change. Number two, open aggression. So open aggression is on the other side of the spectrum. And as the name suggests, are those who are open and lash out in anger. I hate you. You've ruined my life. You've never done anything good for me. How can you live with yourself like this? You are the worst person I have ever met. Uh, I will destroy you in this divorce. Um, I'll take full custody of the kids or you actually abduct the kids. Yeah, that's open aggression. That's open anger. That's throwing bombs at the other person. That doesn't help anything. Yes, it shows people that you're angry. It certainly does, but you need to modify that. 
You know, you've seen those examples of a therapist's office where they want, the therapist wants a person who normally has controlled emotion, doesn't show any emotion at all. But once you dig and get to emotional pain points, you want the anger and the aggression to come out in a, a more positive way. So they have pillows or foam hammers, uh, something in their office where you can pound the wall or the floor or the sofa and nothing will get hurt. But it, at least it allows you to physically let the feeling of anger come through you and then when you're exhausted by it, quite often people just sit back and laugh or sit back and just, oh, that felt good. I bottled that emotion up for so many years. Instead of driving your car into a building, into pedestrians, in road rage, because look, it expresses itself in road rage. You can have your anger so bottled up that when you get in the car and you're by yourself, you let the anger out. But unfortunately, it's not a very productive way of getting angry because you can get killed and you can kill people. What if you live and you've killed somebody? Now you're in jail. Yes. Doesn't end well, does it? No, no, no. Anger is a common emotion that we all feel and it creeps up on us instantaneously. Those of us who understand how to squash it, how to identify, oh, 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 that's anger. That's a, uh, uh, stop. Take a breath. Purposefully calm your heart down. Breathe deeply for several seconds in and out, that will calm you down. But you've got to control that physical anger. That's the worst expression of anger is open aggression. And then we have the good anger, the controlled anger, and that's called assertive anger. Assertive anger is the healthy way to respond and handle anger. So what is controlled anger? Controlled anger comes in the way of better communication. Now, you've heard me talk about the master of controlled communication on this podcast. You've heard me talk about a man named Bill Eddy, E-D-D-Y. And I've interviewed Bill three times on this podcast, go back in time and just put in the search bar, Bill Eddy, and you'll get the three interviews I've done. Bill Eddy has written about 30 books on communication with high conflict personalities. High conflict personalities are narcissists, sociopaths, people with um, multiple personalities and bipolar. These are high conflict personalities. These are personalities that make it very difficult to be in relationship with them because you never know what's coming. You can never really communicate normally with these people. You, you never know what to expect. You always expect the unexpected and the unexpected isn't that good. It's not a great unexpected. Oh my God, the gift I just got. No, no, no. <laughs> the unexpected is... Can you believe what he or she just did to me? Oh my God, are they out of their minds? 
that's bad. That's unexpected in the bad way, in the way that we're used to. And that gets us angry. No, no, no. Bill operates on a method that he designed called BIF. It's the acronym for when you're communicating to a high conflict personality or somebody that makes you angry, even if they're not a high conflict personality, you have to communicate in a brief way, informative, friendly, and firm. Brief, informative, friendly, and firm. Somebody's done something, your spouse has done something to make you angry. Uh, they're always late, 30 minutes late, or they switch plans on you at the last minute, or they don't get back to you in the time you've requested for them to get back to you for, for you to make a decision uh, that benefits both of you or that both of you are mutually invested in. You can never operate on a firm footing or in a balanced relationship. And so they will do these passive aggressive things that make you angry. So you can either express yourself in a volatile way and be angry. And that doesn't get you anywhere, by the way, especially if you're dealing with a narcissist. They must feel they're in control at all times. And you can never tell them they've done something wrong. You can only talk from your own position, how you feel when something is done and whatever they've done, you have to put it in the third person. You can never put it in the second person, you. You did this when you did it. Uh -uh. You have to say, well, when this happens, meaning you're 30 minutes late, use that as an example. When this happens, it's difficult for me to be able to do what I have planned on doing, or it's able, it's, 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 uh, difficult for me to, uh, finish up and, uh, complete the plans necessary, complete the steps necessary to move forward. Put it in the third person. So when this happens, it makes it difficult for me to do X. So brief when this happens informative. It makes it difficult for me to do X. Friendly. You're not yelling at them. You're not blaming at them. So if we could do why friendly, then I would be able to finish this for us firm. Can this happen? Can you uh, not be 30 minutes late. Is it possible for you to get back to me by this date? That's how you have to do it. That is taking your anger and channeling it in a different communication pattern. That's all you have is communication. Or if you are free to take the next step on your own without them and it benefits them, or it benefits the situation, do it. Just do it. Don't get their permission. You know, do something like um, when it's not possible for you to be here uh, on at the time appointed, not even on time, if it's not possible for you to be here at the time appointed and um it compromises me and my plans. 
I will then go ahead and make the decision necessary in order for me to be able to handle this uh, and move forward. Firm. What are you talking about? You mean if I'm not there on time, then you'll just take the kids and go? I appreciate that this would be your time with the children using being late, picking up the kids as an example, but, but it's, but I, I'm able to take the kids with me and I don't want to be late. So don't worry about it. We're just going to go ahead. We'll just move it forward. If you still want to pick up the kids, this is where I'll be. But if you can't make it, that's okay too. Believe me, that person will change. And you haven't been angry at them. You've taken anger and you've channeled it in a different way. Very interesting, isn't it? How you deal with anger. So the holidays are coming up. I don't want you to be angry during the holidays. And if you're in a situation that's confrontational and you don't want the kids to suffer, because that's the only reason you're in relationship with somebody is that you have kids. If you're in the process of getting divorced or already divorced, you really want to be mindful of the children. So learning these, learning these communication tricks is essential. Understanding where anger fits on the spectrum of grief is really important because maybe you can have a soft spot in your heart for somebody who's still operating in an angry way, understand they're stuck in the grief process, understand they may be a high conflict personality and um, behaving in a way that gets you angry is their only way. They don't know any better. So at least I wanted to open up the understanding of anger that there are three different ways of expressing anger. And I want to set you up with the good anger, the controlled anger, so that you now have a way, even beyond divorce, of handling a situation with somebody that makes you angry and you can feel it for a minute, get through it, let it flow through you. And then use your communication skills. Use the words you choose and the tone of voice you use to be able to deal with your anger in a better way. So anyway, thank you so very much for joining me. I hope this has helped you. If you know of anybody you could share this with uh, that would benefit, please do so. You can give me your comments on this episode on the episode page of my website, theamicabledivorceexpert.com. I love hearing your comments. And if there are any other topics you would like to suggest, I love that too. So please um, enjoy the holidays coming up. And as always, have an amicable day. That's our show for today. Thank you for joining us. Be good to yourselves, be kind to your spouse, and cherish your children above all else.